if I'm honest, this is going to sound really weird when I'm about to start a preach. I don't know where to start. And I, if you know, I don't you often say that I love to talk. I love being able to just talk about God, as Dom said. God is a passion of mine. It's just so exciting, isn't it? The more you learn about him, the more you want to learn about him. The more you don't know, the more you want to learn, the more you want to spend time with him. So you just want to talk. If you're like me, you just want to talk about God. But this morning I come to you in a place of saying, I don't know where to begin. As Dom just said, it's been a tough time. The world around us is really anxious. It's looking for answers everywhere. How long till the cure comes? Some say six months, some say nine months, some say we may never come. But we're standing here, as Dom said, in faith. Our God is a God who protects and saves. So do I start there, looking at the faithfulness of God, when we're looking at the topic of beginning, uh, belonging? Do I look what God says about us? Who we are? And what, what he makes us to be? We sang it already this morning. I am who he says I am. I'm a child of God. Or do we hit right to the heart of the topic? of how do we create a culture where people really feel like they belong in a world where there's a lot of longing but not a lot of belonging. But before we do any of that, during worship, God spoke to me. And I was like, God, you're amazing. You're beautiful. Like, I don't know about you, I just want to explain some stuff. If you were doing worship and you felt something that was slightly different, or you may be like, it might be like your first time here, and you've walked in and you've gone... There's something a bit weird going on here. I can't compute what this is. There's people singing. I kind of get that they're singing to God. I don't know if I believe in God, or you might believe in God. But uh, it feels different. Today, I believe God sent his Holy Spirit. We believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God. The Holy Spirit loves us, teaches us, guides us, cares for us. And you might walk in and feel there's something thick here. Thick, I think thick's quite a good word for it, where you feel something tangible in the room. And I just thought God wanted me to explain to some people here that that is a good thing. That's not a bad thing to feel that. It's a good thing, and that's the weight of his glory. We sang it in a song. I bend beneath the weight of his glory, because God is just so amazing. And that's what he gave to us during worship. And I want to get back to that place as we preach today. The whole of this topic of belonging needs to be rooted in the love of God. Because that's what it's all about. To belong is to be loved. John just said it there. As Christians, we, in a time of need, we go out and we show love. We show love because he first loved us. But I realise that I haven't even told you who I am. Like some, of you don't even, some of you know me, a lot of you know me, some of you don't know me. I'm Sam, I'm married to my wife, Leigh, she's not in, she's doing creche at the moment. And... Um, I work part-time for the church as children's and youth worker, and um, yeah, and I'd, oh, I don't know what to tell you, I'm an Arsenal fan, that probably, some people like that, some people hate that, thank you Manjit, I've got one friend in the congregation, I do love, I love Jurassic Park, how did I forget that, I love Jurassic Park, thank you John Simons, so that's who I am, is that really who I am? I've told you already, I'm a child of God who belongs to the Father and I belong through the Spirit living in me. I've got a house in my... I don't know, I, don't, I can't even get onto the preacher. I'm just weighted down, I don't know about you. Just, worship just struck you today but by the weight of God's mercy and glory and goodness and presence. I've got a house in my... I've got a room in my Father's house. It's like, we don't even deserve it. We literally do not deserve it. We're going to get onto the preacher in a minute, I'm going to go for it. We're going to get... We don't deserve his love. We just don't deserve it. And yet he says, you've got a house. You've got a room in my father's house. 
I love you so much that I died on a cross for you. I love you so much that I will spend every day, every second, every moment with you. And yeah, you don't deserve it because you didn't do anything. But I've made you righteous, so you do deserve it now. You've done absolutely nothing. I did all of it, I being Jesus. And God, not me, I've done nothing for you. And because of that, you spend eternity with me. And eternity doesn't just happen when we die. It's a promise for the here and now. You felt his presence already this morning. Sometimes you don't feel it. But that's how much he loves you. How about you? We're just going to spend one moment before we get on just to think about the weight and the glory and the beauty of his love for you. As I said, none of this is in my preach. But I was just struck by the, just the amazing weight of his love for us. At the time when the world is in chaos, as, as Christians, or if you're visiting and you're not Christian here, we meet together and God's love comes rushing in and says, you know what, I sustain you, I carry you, I care for you. I've always loved you and I always will love you. So just before we preach and belong, we're just literally going to spend like 30 seconds. It's going to be quiet. Just think about his love for you. And if you don't know him, I'd love to talk to you about that. Brilliant. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you that you love us. Okay, well, we probably should crack on, otherwise I'll get told off by the elders that we're not actually doing my job. And uh, no one wants that, do they? So um, we're gonna, today we're learning about belonging. Now, I don't know about you, when you hear belonging, you think, okay, we're going to hear a sermon or we're going to hear a talk on how I belong to God. Now, I was kind of expecting that myself when I saw the title. And then DR, sadly, he's, he's, was he in Russia at the moment? Yeah, he's in Russia. He met, I said, DR, can you give me an insight of where you want me to go with this? He said, I've not got much for you, but we're looking about church and how we belong together as a family. So that kind of wiped all my ideas out of the park because I wasn't going for that line at all. So we kind of reworked it and went, okay, God, where are we going with this? So my aim for you today is to show you that we all have a need to belong. That church is God's plan, one of God's plans on earth to achieve the sense of belonging. And as a church, we need to set a culture where no matter who comes in and us who come regularly, if you are a regular guy, feel like we belong here. So let's start with a need to belong. I don't know about you, but I often feel, if you know when you go to a new place, like I started playing, do you know how long ago was it, rugby two years ago? We started playing rugby two years ago. I remember going to my first training session and I literally knew Jono and that was it. I walked in and there's this sudden feeling like, okay, I need to do this bit right. Where do I get changed? All right, am I allowed to get changed and ship down to my boxes or do I need to get changed in like, or do I need to get changed with a towel around me? There's all these questions going on in your head. You walk out to training, like, do my boots look okay with everyone? Because they've got really cool fancy boots and I've, I don't, I just have football boots and they've got rugby boots. And then you walk out and you go, okay, right. I can't remember my first one, the coach said, here's the drill. You know what you're doing. And I thought to myself, I've never done this in my life, but there's this moment of panic, and I just said, yes. 
I don't know if John remembers it. I just said, yes, I know what I'm doing. We started the drill. I started running to the wrong cone. Everyone uh, was in groups of four, I think it was. Three of them went one way, and I went to the total opposite cone, and I was like, I can't get that right. And it felt like I just didn't belong. Thankfully, the boys are amazing, and they just welcome us in. They just laugh at you, which is great. It's nice, gentle, teasing laughter. They told me what to do, and then we feel good friendships after that. Most when you look around us, we all have a, a sense to belong. In fact, when I was doing some research, and I remember from my degree, a lot of psychologists say we've got a need to belong in some way. Some of them even root as a core human, fundamental human need is to feel like we belong, feel we have social relationships, feel we, we fit somewhere. One, uh, Lay spoke to one of our neighbours who gave this quote. It's on the, on the screen. She said, if, we don't, if our need of belonging isn't met, we are left longing. And that's just one of our, our neighbours. She was going to come today, but sadly she didn't. And um, She's not a Christian. She was just talking about life in general, saying, if we, don't have, if we don't belong, we're just left longing. We just wander, effectively. Well, let's look around us in the world. Politics, party alliances, uh, referendums, leave or remain. I'm not saying these are bad things, but they... Over time, we've, we've developed, uh, this, is, this is my party, this is your party. It's not for everyone. A lot of people still vote on, polit- on policies and things like that, but there's a mentality of, this is what I belong, this is where I belong, and I will naturally agree with that. As I said, they're not bad things. But then we do see it in a negative way around us. The rise of gang culture, for example. When you look at some of the reasons why people join gangs, because for a sense of identity, a sense they belong in a group, We see it on the internet, trolling, groups of people trolling other people, saying, saying horrific things about them. And one of the reasons why they do it, when they've done research into it, for people who have been caught doing it, was because they wanted to belong and felt welcome with other people. So they just joined in with what was going on. In fact, the rise of social media itself has shown a real desire to belong. Yeah, I want to voice my opinion. I want other people to like it and come with me because when people come with me, I feel like I belong and I feel grounded and valued. As I said, I'm, part, I'm on social media. Not a bad thing. But when we look at the root behind it, often some things we do are fueled by a need to belong. So where does that really come from? Well, I'd say it's God. If we go way back to, to right at the beginning, we look at creation, we look at Genesis... God himself says, uh, it's up there, let us make man in our image. So God himself is made in relationship, he's made in union, three persons in one God. So there's a desire to be in relationship there because we are made in the image of God. So we naturally have a desire to be in relationship. We naturally have a desire to belong. In fact, God himself says, it's not good for man to live alone. So God says, okay, we've made this and then we come to a, the next bit of Genesis, and we won't go into the details of all that, of why it kind of says one creation story and a second creation story, but we look at kind of like the process and then like a, a love story effectively. Like It's really beautiful if you haven't read it. And God says it's not good for man to live alone, so he makes woman. Because God designed us to be in relationship and feel like we belong. Now it was great in the garden because nothing had gone wrong by that point. So no one had a false sense of insecurity of not belonging. They just felt like they totally belonged. 
Then the moment we sinned, the moment we messed up, creation fell apart. It broke. Our relationship with God broke. And even in, in uh, Genesis as well, it says our relationship between man and woman broke. In that moment, a sense, we, I believe, when I was praying to God about it, there was a sense of really like, where do we belong? Up to this point, we've belonged in the kingdom. We've walked with the Father. We've had a perfect relationship with, with, between man and woman. It all fell apart and we left longing because we had that and there's an inbuilt desire in us to be in relationship and belong. But God has some amazing answers to this. Thankfully, God doesn't really let, well, he never lets us down. I shouldn't say really. God never lets us down. Let's make sure we get that point, bit right. So one of the answers and what we're going to look at today is church. God's answer to us of needing to belong, yes, number one is that we belong to him. But secondary is the church. The church should have a culture whether you're the first time or you're a thousandth time that you walk in, you feel like you belong. You feel like you're loved. You feel like you're welcome. That's giving away a bit too much of the preach later on, so I probably should stop. I believe we're going to, today, we're going to go through the whole book of Philippians. Now, you probably weren't expecting that when you walked in. You're going, right, it might be a couple of verses. We'll be okay, 20 minutes in. Let's go home. Let's have a bit of lunch. But today, we're going to hit the whole book of uh, Philippians. You know, Nick's our reader, so Nick's going to come up. No, I'm joking. He's not going to read the whole Philippians for us. He's not going to do that, because I haven't even asked him. um, So we're going to do that, and we're going to look at probably... Eight things. You used to three points, we're going to hit eight points. So it means I'm going to have to go really fast and probably cut a lot of stuff out that's on the screen. Okay? So number one, church was never designed for one. Is that up there? Um, as you can see on our, on our slides, we're going to have the verses we're looking at, we're basing these points from, and then we're going to have some of the key things to come from it, but we're not going to draw on all of them. So Philippians 1, 27 to 28 says, Whatever happens, conduct yourself in a manner that is worthy of the gospel of Christ. Then whether I come and see you or you only hear about you in, in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the gospel, without being frightened in any way by those who oppose you. This is a sign to them that, you, that they will be destroyed, that you will be saved, and that by God. Some amazing stuff on there, but we're talking about church, so we have to focus on one bit, where it talks about one spirit striving together. When Paul's writing this, he's writing to a church in Philippi. He doesn't go, okay, I want you to do this, and I want you to do the same, and I want you to do the same. He uses, a, uh, when he's writing, he uses the group. He talks about the group, because he talks about the church, because in his mind, the church isn't one person. He doesn't individually, in this point, instruct one person. He says, I'm going to write this to the church because it's a whole church thing. We meet in gatherings. In fact, it happens from the very beginning. When we look at the beginning of the church and when the Holy Spirit came, they were gathered together in a room. We did this uh, last week, or a week before. Um, when they're praying for Peter, they gathered together. Church was a natural group gathering. When Paul writes all of his letters, um, a lot of his letters, he's writing to churches, and there's many more occasions. In fact, we're described, churches described as family. I don't know about you, but a family of one isn't that fun. That kind of rhymes a little bit, I never feel better. Family of one isn't that fun. When you stand here, and you're like, I don't have any brothers, sisters, I don't have a mum, 
or a dad, no grandparents. It doesn't feel right, does it? Because God's plan was never for a one. God's plan was relationship. And God's plan was for people to be belonging in groups. The church. Do you ever wonder why it's so much easier to mess up when you're walking by yourself and you're not accountable to anyone? Hands up for my own life. I, um, something that I've been, God's really been talking to me about recently is leading from a, and, and just living as a Christian from a place of vulnerability and weakness. I went through a horrible stage in my life when I was at university where I was a big sham, really. If we're going to be hands up and we're going to be really honest about it, I basically kind of faked my Christianity through university. I was walking by myself, but kind of in a group setting. I never, was not accountable to anyone. Kind of went to different churches. Walking away. But because I was by myself, it was so easy. It was so easy because no one would catch up with me and say, how's this going? Because I wasn't part of a family. Because church was never designed for one. So let's move on. If church isn't designed for one and it's the answer... We need to look at how we create a culture of belonging within the church. Quite simply, is we so love. So, <clears throat> I've never done this before in a preach. I'm actually really proud of myself. <laughs> like, <laughs> or I should say, God did a good thing. Um, and so this is how I believe we create a culture of belonging in a church, where people feel like they belong. Number one, we serve each other. Number two, there's an openness with each other. Number three, we welcome others. Four, we look up to others. Five, there's oneness with others. Six, we value others. And seven, we exalt God. And I picture this morning that if we do that, people will walk in and there'll be a sense of belonging if we do it well, if we do it how the Bible tells us to do it. So I said, all these are going to come from Philippians. So let's start with serving others. Philippians 2, verse 2 to 4. Then make my joy complete by being like-minded, having the same love, being one in spirit and of one mind. Do nothing out of selfish ambition or vain conceit. Rather, in humility, value others above yourself. Not look into your own interests, but the interests of others. Now, I don't know about you, but if you're in church or anywhere, even down to the smallest things where someone opens the door to you, you feel, oh, feels quite nice. Someone's, someone's serving me. Someone's loving me. Someone's doing such things. So when we serve, there's a natural feeling that we belong and that we're loved. So you hear Paul challenges, challenges us to put others first. And how do we do that? It's because we imitate Christ. Jesus himself served others all the time. He washed people's feet. He served people on the, when, he, when he was uh, feeding the 5,000. If you look at it a bit before, he kind of left because he was tired. He was like, oh, I just, wanna, I just want a bit of a rest. I'm tired. He's, he, he's fully God, fully man. So he's like, I need a bit of rest. And then the crowd follow him and he's like, okay. If that was me, I'd be like, oh, kind of guys, I said, um, I said, I need five minutes. Like, or maybe come back tomorrow once I've had a sleep. But Jesus goes, no, no, okay. 
and he teaches them, and then he sees the need for them again. So not only has he served them through teaching, then he sees the need, a physical need of hunger, and he says, all right, I'm going to serve you again, what have we got? So Jesus was always looking to serve, and we're called to imitate him. So we should always be looking to serve. But I don't think this is always easy for us. So I say, we are human, which is very different. We have a natural desire to put ourselves first. It's just so easy, isn't it? We just go, actually, that, that kind of puts me out. No, I don't want to go and pick that person up. No, that doesn't really benefit me in that much. And I'm not saying we like that all the time, but there's like a natural desire in us to do that. And as I say, hands up, I stand here as a person who's done it and probably still does it. But isn't the life of a Christian, as Jesus says, pick up your cross? Now, there's a story that I love. It's about this woman. Um, I think she goes to... I won't quote the church, actually. Um, she, she became a Christian, and she had to give up a lot of her, her past ways before she became a Christian. And she walks around church. She introduces... I'm not saying we do this. She walks around church. She introduces herself. She, let's call her Angie. I don't know. Hi, I'm Angie. And the person says, hi. And her first question is, if, once she, if she knows they're a Christian, her first question is, what did you give up for the gospel? And they're like, I can't imagine if someone said that to me. What did you? I'd be like, oh, um, I, 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 I don't know. But because she's given up so much, because Jesus is worth even greater, her natural response is every person's life as a Christian is to sacrifice. And I look at that story, story and go, she's got it right and I've got it wrong. When Jesus says, pick up your cross, and I will struggle to answer the question, what do I give up? Then something in me is wrong. Am I really serving others properly? And imagine if every single one of us put the other person's needs first. And I'm not saying that's possible. We'd have to be, literally be Jesus. Like, but he says we can do greater things than him, but we won't go into that either. And... Um, Imagine if all of us were like, Nick, what do you really want? And I would just, and even if it's like the thing that will cost me the most. If he said, Sam, I want you to support Man United, and I'd be like, okay, that's tricky. That's quite hard. And I'd go, okay, Nick, I'll put your needs first. That's a stupid example because Man United came back with a fool. And, um, and then imagine, imagine that, or imagine, imagine a much more practical way. Where I, I don't, someone doesn't have to tell me. I look around and there's someone who kept struggling with bags. It's such an easy one. Someone's struggling with bags out the room. And, and I could look there and go, oh, they're struggling. That's probably what goes in your head, isn't it? They're struggling. Oh, no, I probably should go and help. And sometimes we don't even do that. Imagine we saw and our immediate response was, how can I carry that? Can I carry that bag for you? Can I do that for you? Can I? And, then, and then we can look at that kind of physical side of things. Let's look at uh, an emotional side of things, a uh, spiritual side of things. We see someone crying. Is our response to love and care or is it to go, oh, I don't know how to do what it is? I put it to you that we don't know the exact Situation, we don't know the exact response every time. But if we're always looking to put the other person's needs first, then we create a sense of belonging. And practically, how do we do that? Be a constant church. Always look to put the other people first. That's not just on a Sunday, that's throughout the week. And be humble.
Humble yourself like Jesus humbled himself. Number one, to come. Number two, to wash feet. How many more? There's so many examples we can give. So let's move on. We need to do this quickly. Openness with God. Uh, openness with others. We should always be open with God. Um, Paul says in here, it was good for you to share in my troubles. So in that, he's saying, we can look at it both ways. Number one, it was good for Paul because he got it off. He was able to, able to say it and someone stand work with him. But he says it to the Philippians. and said, it was good for you to share in my troubles. So there's a goodness from both sides here. So if I share with, I don't know, JT. So I share with JT and said, John, I'm really struggling with this. It's good for me because he stands with me. It's good for him because he's serving and loving and, creating and, and living as Jesus. And that's what we're called to do. If we're open with others and we respond in the right way, then we create a sense of belonging. It's easy to put on a mask, isn't it? I was thinking about this. How much of Israel didn't know that Abraham kind of messed up a bit? How much of Israel, again, didn't know that Noah got drunk after, after the, uh, the flood and got naked and, and all that story? How much of, of the disciples didn't know that Peter denied Jesus? How much of the disciples and the followers didn't know that Thomas was like, I doubt you, I doubt Jesus until I can physically touch him? God really hit me that they probably all knew. It wasn't hidden away. In fact, so much so it's written in the book, so we all know it now. Are masks really worth it when it goes against what God's saying? We should be a place, and I heard this somewhere else, we should be a place when we come into church, it looks like a doctor's surgery. We're going, not becoming, having a victim mentality, but sharing an openness of what's going on in our lives, good and bad. Not an interview room where we fake how good we are. In our weakness is his strength. Practically, drop the mask and be vulnerable. I put it to you, when we do that, we create a culture of belonging because we don't have to fake our way through church. We can be real. We can feel loved. Move on to welcome others. Now, as well as you know, Lay's head of welcome, so obviously a key one for her. Um, here in, the, in Philippians, there's a command to welcome. It says, so then welcome him in the Lord with great joy and honour people like him because he almost died for the work of Christ. He risked his life to make up for the, for, for the help you yourselves could not give me. It's a command to welcome here. Now, the person they're talking about, I can never say his name, so I won't bother. Let's just call him E, because that's the name his letter begins with. Um, e is from the church. He's gone to Paul, delivers, effectively gives a monetary gift to Paul. He almost dies in the process of being there, like through sickness and, and lots, and it's a dangerous journey. And as he's returning home, like the letter goes before him, and the Philippians are commanded to welcome him. So he's someone they already know. And I felt God was like, to me, are you good at welcoming the new people, but forget about the regulars? Or maybe it's the other way around for us, because he also says about welcoming Timothy, who's new to them. Maybe you're great at welcoming the new person. Maybe you're great at welcoming the regular, but you swap it around, and you're not so good. 
And it's quite clear here that we're to welcome. And thankfully, Paul tells us how to do it. He says, with great joy. And there's no point someone walking in and I'm like, oh, great to see you again. Like, that's not going to make anyone feel welcome, is it? You're like, oh, I'm going home. I don't want to be treated like that. It says, with great joy. With great joy, what does that mean? We smile, we, we welcome. I was going to say hug, but I'll probably get told off. And we celebrate God's goodness. You might be like, maybe this person's having the worst time ever, or maybe we're having the worst time ever. But we take joy in what he's done for us. And we can at least share that. Say, welcome, it's so glad you're here. I'm so, how's life going? Or maybe someone you know, and you're like, how did, I don't know, how did that job interview go? Once more, I stand here saying, I do not get this right. I thought God says we need to initiate by going to people and welcoming love. And in the process, we praise God. Okay, we're going to stop. I'm literally going to give you 30 seconds. You don't usually do this in church. To turn to someone next to you, and you're just going to say, how can I practically live out the first three? Who remembers the first three? This is how much you're listening. I shouldn't really do this. Who's got ta- someone must have taken photos. Serve others, brilliant. What's the second one? And number three? Okay. Oh, it's up there. Chris, that's against the rules. It was a test. No. Um, I was actually really proud of everyone there. I thought, I thought someone was listening to me. You didn't make me feel very welcome. No, I'm joking. Um, okay, you've got 30 seconds. Turn to the people next to you. How can you practically live out these? Or maybe you want to be open and say, I don't do them very well. All right, 10 seconds left. Right, brilliant. I'm sure you had really in-depth discussion there. Um, felt the spirit moving. Uh, it was good. Um, okay, let's move on. So we move on to, we've done so, as in we, we dish it out, and move on to love. Number one, we need to be able to look up to others. Now, this one really challenged me. To create a sense of belonging, I need to be able to look up to someone and to be a living example so someone can look up to me. Sorry, Laura. I'll move out of the way. <laughs> Now this, as I said, this one really challenged me. Do I look up to others? Yeah. I thought, okay, I do do that. And my example for someone to look up to, I hopefully would say yes. But I think God was here saying, recheck yourself every day. How can, how can I walk more closely with him? How can I be more like him? See, the Philippians had Paul, Timothy and E., He's up there if you want to say his name. Yeah, that's the one. E. And um, they had the three of them. Paul and Timothy. So Timothy was outside of the church. Uh, Paul was outside of the church. Timothy came into the church and E was in the church. So here we have three people where we can look outside of the church to amazing men and women of God. We can look at new people in our church and go, wow, what, look at their experience. They've come in and they've, they've really lived for God. God's done amazing things to them. And we can look at people who have been in the church for years and say, wow, they are faithful and God's doing amazing things in them. I thought God say that we can look around us for people who are living for him and say, I want to aspire to them. But when I was looking, there are some worries. 
And I want to put my hands up here and say, I hope there is someone in this church you can look up to. But not just that, I hope there's someone you can identify with. I've been reading a book recently. Um, it's by Ben Lindsay. It's about race and uh, about cultures. And, it, was, and it, was, it really struck me about how he was telling a story about New Day, and he said it at a youth culture conference where he said he went to New Day and he, had, he saw people who were living for God, but he had no one he could identify with. And so therefore lacked people he felt like he could look up to and aspire to be. Now, we don't want to be a church like that at all. We want you all to feel like there's people here that you can look up to and aspire to be like, but identify with as well. But I also challenge you, if you feel like you're not that person, number one, we'd love to talk to you, but number two, I challenge you to be that person so that other people... Maybe it's race, gender, culture, background, class. Maybe there's, there's all, these other th- all these things that can impact who we feel like we can aspire to be like. Maybe if you feel like there's not someone, I say it's talk, godly talk conversations, not gossip and grumbling, and then live out your life so you can be that example. And when we feel like we have people that we can look up to aspire to, we feel like we can belong. We feel like we'd be appreciated. We feel like we can be here. So practically, how do we do this? We need to look around. If we're just kind of looking at our own lives, then we'll never notice anyone. We need to talk to the leadership and be discipled. Now, I don't know about you, discipleship is a huge thing. We have no time to go into it now. But if you're not being discipled, it simply means there's, or there's scales of discipleship. Even this is discipleship. Then we have small group discipleship. And then we have like personal discipleship, which is like one-to-one. I urge you, if you're not being discipled one-to-one, find that person you can look up to and ask, will you disciple me? Will you meet up with me one-to-one? I want to learn from you because I can see, in you I see God working. In you I see, I see God and I want to be more like you. In my own life, discipleship has played a huge part for me. Same as before, as I mentioned, when I wasn't, in community and I wasn't being discipled I walked away and I said and the next one is be the example oh we didn't read the verse did we join together in following my example brothers and sisters just as you have a model uh, just as you have us as a model and keep your eyes on those who live as we do let's move on Openness with others. Oh, no, I've done that one. Oneness with others, thank you. Oneness with others. Division causes brokenness. Oneness or unity causes belonging. Disunity is not in the kingdom. Doesn't mean total agreement is, isn't in the agreement. There, there's plenty of times where even the disciples are arguing amongst themselves and Jesus does correct them, but he doesn't say, you, you, there's like, it's okay to disagree with someone, but disunity is not in the kingdom. Here it says, I plead with another E and I plead with an S to be of the same mind. I'm so glad I did not go to that church. I would literally not know anyone's name. Uh, to be of the same mind in the Lord. Paul here is pleading 
He's not just saying, can you sort it out, guys? Come on, it's a little bit destructive. He's like, when you read the whole this, this passage, the whole this book, he suddenly gets to this point and, he, and he's, like, he's been passionate the whole way through and he goes, I plead with you, just sort it out, just sort it out because it's not good. And the hand up again, I have not done this well in my life. It sounds like I've got everything wrong in my life. I, I haven't. God has been amazing and he's teaching me and he brings me through it. He pleads to sort it out. Brokenness is not a kingdom culture. Unity is. Oneness is. Be of one spirit. We can look at that as the Holy Spirit. In fact, we're a family and we can look at being in the same minded. Going to the knowing where we're going. Sort out your differences. Sort them out face to face. Now, Jonathan, I want to honour you here. Jonathan, you did a, an a amazing preach a little while ago around, um, you used the term secondhand offence. I don't know if you remember it. Uh, me and Lay talk about that all the time because like, we're like, no, we don't want to go anywhere near secondhand offence. I'm not saying we get it right all the time, but we don't want to go near it because it's so dangerous. If you haven't listened to that preach, um, I don't know how we're going to find it. It's on the website, <laughs> but let's look for Jonathan. And um, his preach was amazing. It's like, sort things out face to face. Do not do it. Do not go from X person to Y person to Z person. To It doesn't mean you don't sell, um, seek good counsel, as he said in his preach. You seek counsel maybe from elders or the person you're being discipled with. Tying neatly to my previous point. But it doesn't mean you go around gossiping. Don't know about you, but if you've heard that someone has said something about you to someone else, who's gone to someone else, then it comes back to you. Do you feel like you belong? Do you feel like you're loved and welcome? No. So sort it out face to face. But if it has happened, where it's gone one to one to one, or if someone comes to you face to face quickly, be quick to forgive. One of my favourite things is that when I've messed up, I literally turn to God and say, God, I am so sorry I've done that. It's went against you. And he doesn't say to me, oh, you need to go and well, learn about sacrifices. Every day. You need to go and kill a bull and then take it to, take it to the high priest and take it, they've got to do something else and then go to the holies, the holies, and, and, then you're, and then we'll sprinkle the blood everywhere and then you'll be okay. God says, no. My sacrifice meant that the moment you say sorry, you're forgiven. We need to be like that. We need to be quick to forgive. Okay, we're almost done. Value others. So here we've got a few verses. Philippians 2 verse 4 and Philippians 2 verse 29. And not looking to their own interests, but to the interests of others. We've read that one already. And honour people like him. We've also had that one already. But here we're going to focus in on both of them. When we feel listened to, we feel valued. There's an amazing quote here. Um, in fact, Ben Lindsay used it. It's not from him. He doesn't know who it's from. It says, accessibility is being able to get in the building. Diversity is being invited to the table. Inclusion is having a voice at the table. And belonging is to have your voice heard at the table. How much value and how much do we feel like we belong when someone actually listens to us? 
Now, to be listened to kind of ties back to another point we made, where we need to be open. If we're closed, how can people listen to us? So we need to be willing to speak in a godly manner to create a culture of belonging. As I said, there's not going to be a constant agreement on everything, but as a church, we want to listen to people. And we want to feel like we're listened to. So we need to listen. But how do we do that well? Well, first of all, it says serve the gifts of others, serve the interests of others. How, apart from looking, we also need to be able to listen. If we're not listening, we won't always pick up on what people's needs are. So it's quite clear that Paul's telling us here to listen. So we need to listen in love. That means we don't listen in judgment. That means we don't listen in going, I've already got my ideas of where this conversation is going. We need to listen and we need to love. We need to know who we're talking to. Now, I was reading something really interesting and I was talking to one of our friends on leadership chain in text yesterday <coughs> and we're talking about... Um, oh, that wasn't me having coronavirus. I was just coughing. Just you know, I've been talking for a long time. Um, we'd be, we were talking about uh, authority and how millennials and Generation Z have a... There's been lots of studies on how we have a real rejection of authority in our hearts and it's in our, it's our mindsets. So... Whereas some of the previous generations, especially skipping back quite, uh, not, not quite a few, a few generations, um, some of the older people in our church have a very different mindset of authority. So when, they're, when the old generation is speaking, they, take, they speak from a, a place of, author- we all love authority, we all respect authority. Whereas a millennial and a generation said, here's the voice of authority and say, I'm going to reject that and I want to go the opposite way. So this is just one example of knowing who you're talking to. Uh, Nick's a millennial. Nick, you shouldn't have sat there. I've chosen you all the time. If I was coming to Nick, I'm not saying he rejects authority. He loves authority because God's got total authority. But if Nick is a, a normal millennial, and I go up to him and I said, you need to do this. Millennial mind says, no, I'm going the other way. I go up to say, I don't want to choose someone old, uh, older. Um, Barry, Barry. Barry, who's not actually part of the church. Barry, I walk up to Barry, who's in the older generation, and I say, oh, you should be doing this. Barry goes, oh, I love authority. That, I respect authority. I'm more likely to do it. So this is just one example of how we need to know who we're talking to to value others. Because when we're walking in challenge, challenge needs to take place, but we need to know the right way to do it to the person. Otherwise, we don't feel valued. We feel told off if you're a millennial or a Generation Z or you feel rejected if you're one of the past generations. There's a Caroline Holly. You might know her. She's a wife of Simon Holly. She says this phrase, you need to connect before you correct. So when you're walking in love with someone, you've built that relationship. Then you can move into correction, and it works both ways. But if you storm into correction and you've got no connection... The person feels hurt, not valued, and feel like they don't belong. They feel judged. So practically, we need to stop and listen well. And it says here we need to call on a people like him. He's talking about E again. And um, we need to be a people who call out good things. I might see someone who's done an amazing, I don't know, 
the, the setup team. Oh, right now, it actually would be great, not just the setup team today, but everyone who's involved with setup, we want to honor you as a church because setup is not easy. You come early, you have to set up, and you, you might feel like you don't get much thanks. But we want to honor you and say, thank you for what you do because church would not be the same. You imagine turning up and you've got no chairs, you put your own chair out, there's no flags, there's no band, there's no, no, no nothing, nothing set up. We want to honor you. Maybe that's what you could do. Maybe that's what you can take away from today. Looking to honour people. Honour the unseen things and honour the seen things as well. Both need to be honoured. So that practically, we honour. Okay. 30 seconds again to do those. We haven't finished love, but these are the last ones on the others side of things. So I want you to, 30 seconds, talk about those three. Uh, this time, yeah, put the side back up, Chris, so it won't be a, won't be a test. Um, how practically can you live out these three? Look up to others, oneness with others, and value others. Go. You got 10 seconds? Maybe be open whether you're being discipled by someone. That'd be great because we want to encourage people to be, be discipled. Okay, four seconds. Three, two, one. Done. Okay. We've literally got one, well, two minutes. Okay. For my biggest point. Two minutes. Okay. Exalt God. The E of love is to exalt God. Now, we said at the beginning that we belong to God. Now, this is amazing. We, we feel like we belong because we're of one spirit. We feel like we belong because God died for us and we turned and said, I've messed up so many ways and I turn back to you. We belong because we are family. But what do family do? It says in Philippians 4, 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I say it again, rejoice. When we worship together, we feel like we belong. When we worship together, we know we're all worshipping for the same reason, because we all messed up. We, for the same reason, because none of us were good enough. None of us. You weren't good enough. I won't name names. I could, I could literally say, Sam, as in me, Sam, not the other Sam here. Sam, you are not good enough. You are not good enough. But God made you righteous. And I could look to the person next to me and go, Jono, uh, I'm not saying we do this. Jono, you are not good enough. But Jesus made you righteous. And we praise God for it. We exalt God for him for that. I've just wrote some down here. He is, why do we worship him? Well, he saved us. He's amazing. But also he's creator. He sacrificed himself. He saved. He forgives. He sets free. He is holy. He is seated. He defeated. He lives. He sustains. He provides. He protects. protects. He has all authority. He is king. He is shepherd. He is father. He sees. He sees. We said that like a couple of weeks ago. He sees us. It's one of the names of God. The fact that he sees. He rescues. He made a way. He is resurrection and life. He is victor. He is guider. He is comforter. He restores. He is love. He is. He is just the same as when he calls himself the I am. Now, I don't know about you. We, we want to put in the culture of all these things, but without... God and praising him what is that that's just a nice community when we do all the things we said and we root in the love of God and then we praise God then we are church 
then we create a culture of belonging as Christ says we should, as Paul talks in his word, as God says. So we don't actually have time to worship at the end, which is quite funny, because that would have been ideal, wouldn't it? To worship and praise God, but we've run out a little bit of time. But what I really want you to do is praise God. That doesn't mean we just sing. That means we talk to someone else and go, Dom, do you know this is how good God is? I go to Haley. Haley, do you know this is how, how good God is? I could go up to anyone and say, this is what God has done for me. And this is what he does for you. And if you don't know him, this is what he, what he wants to do for you. We praise God. We exalt God. So as we haven't got time to worship, to finish, I'll just read over this. To create a culture of belonging, we need to sow love. We need to serve others and be a sacrifice. We need to be open with others. We need to welcome others. We need to be able to look up to others and have others look up to us. We need oneness with others. We need to value others. And we need to exalt God and praise his holy name. I'm just going to pray to close. And after that, tea and coffee, isn't it? Yeah, I'll close. And I just want you to know that if um, any of these spoke to you, we'd like movement. I want you to be bold and say, actually, I want to stand up either for, it could be any of them, but either because you want God to grow you in it or you feel like, you know what, I'm messing up in that. It's easy for me because I'm standing, so you won't know if I'm standing up or not. I would be standing and going, actually, you know what, I messed up on some of those. And if that's you, as I pray, I want you to be brave and stand up and I want to pray for all of us that we grow in these areas and that we exalt God. So I'm just going to pray as I pray, stand up, if, if you resonate with them. Dear Lord, we just thank you that you're such an amazing God. And we just pray that as a church, we'll create a culture where people belong. And as people are standing up, and we thank you for those already standing up, we, we just pray that all of us Grow in the areas that create a culture of belonging. Let us all serve others properly and put others' interests first. Let us all be open with each other. Let us all welcome others. Let us all look up to others and be an example. Let us all be of of one. Let us value others. And God, let us exalt you. Let us put you high. And I speak directly for those standing up now, Lord. I pray in whatever the reason was, whatever area it was, and I pray you bring growth in that area and knowing that we don't do it in our own strength, we do it in your strength. And God, as we go from here, let us praise your holy name. Through song, yes, but through words and deeds. Let's be a church that encourages, serves others and declares your praise. We pray this in your name. Amen.